Welcome to the Love Your People Well podcast. We're here to build healthy, happy, and holy family relationships. I'm Jess, a marriage and family therapist, a Christian, a wife, a mom, and I believe God creates us for relationships, relationship with Him and with each other. So if you want to build a strong marriage, connect with your kids, find peace and purpose at the end of those crazy days, and keep Jesus at the center of it all, you're in the right place. Stick around, friend, and let's get started. Welcome to the Friday Faith Follow-Up, my friends. We have been talking about conflict this week, and um, let me just say right off the start that I'm sorry for my voice if it's a little hoarse. <laughs> we are all fighting uh, illnesses here in the Hayes household, and you know, it's my turn. Uh, thankfully, so far, it's not as bad as my hubby, so you know, I guess I'm thankful for that. Um but anyway, if it goes in and out, my voice, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just take it and deal with it and roll with it. And that's a bit of a hardship of having a podcast. <laughs> You're a bit dependent on your voice. So just wanted to put that out there before we jump in. Because today we are going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, and really just reading through it as kind of a devotional on what can we learn? What does it say when we think about our marriage and specifically conflict in our marriage? How to handle it, how to think about it, how to approach it. Um, we really dove deeper in episode 103 on Tuesday into the three phases of conflict, the buildup, the fight, the aftermath. Um, so I would really encourage you to circle back there if you haven't listened to that full episode yet. Um, we're not going to be going into that type of detail here. We're really just going to look at chapter 13 here of 1 Corinthians and walk through it and consider together, what do we learn? How can we apply this to our marriages when we're not quite on the same page with our husbands? So I'm going to read it, but kind of as we go, and, and I usually read from the NIV, so you might have some, you know, some different wording and all of that in your translation, um, but hopefully it will make sense. <laughs> so he starts out here in chapter 13, talking about how we speak. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And then he goes on to talk about prophecy. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And I think often <laughs> when we read these verses, I think we tend to think about them like like we're reading this on the wedding day and we're thinking like, oh, you found that perfect person, your soulmate, whatever you want to call it. You know, you're in love. You have this close relationship with this man who is your husband. You have love. And so you can do these incredible things now. That's more important than speaking in the tongues of men or angels or prophesying or giving everything you possess to the poor. But I don't think that's really the type of love that they're talking about here. This is love as defined by God in the Bible. And there are many other parts of scripture, particularly in the Gospel of John and in the letter 1 John, that clarify for us that love is self-sacrifice. 
basically. We know what love is because Christ died for us. Jesus never got married. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have the experience of being a husband. And yet he knew love and he showed us what love is, what love means, what love looks like in the perfect way. And so when these verses here in 1 Corinthians are speaking about the incredible value of love, that it's more important than speaking in the tongues of men or angels. It's more important than prophecy and faith. It's more important than giving to the poor and being willing to sacrifice and endure hardship and all of that. Love, if we do all of that, but we don't have love, we are nothing. We have nothing. We gain nothing. It's not talking about do you or do you not find that guy to marry? I hope that you find a wonderful man to marry. If that is what the Lord has planned for you, then that's what we want to pray for and live into and invest in our marriage. But this is speaking about the love of Christ. If we do all this stuff, but we're not intimate with the Lord and following after him and self-sacrificing for the people that he puts in our life, which yes, may include a husband along with other people, then we have gained nothing. And so I really would challenge all of us, myself included, not to get so hung up on the love within the Christian marriage as like somehow that type of love is different. Of course, that relationship is different, but we need to be self-sacrificing within our marriage, just like in other relationships. We love And we experience great blessing and fruit from love when we are doing it in the way that Jesus describes and lives out. And it goes on then in verses four and continuing on, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I have known many, many people to come into counseling um, with me. I'm a marriage and family therapist. I have known many people to come in and to feel so discouraged because this has not been their experience of married, married life and married love. That instead of patience and kindness and um, lack of anger and protection and trust and hope and perseverance, instead of that, they've experienced the opposite. They've experienced a marriage defined by conflict and anger and distrust. And that can happen in marriage. Unfortunately, I think it can happen very easily if we are not intentional about how we approach one another. But when we think particularly about conflict, what do we see here about how we handle conflict? We've already talked about being self-sacrificing, which is absolutely going to show up in how we handle conflict with our spouse. But also, are we patient when we are disagreeing with our husband, or maybe more specifically, when he is disagreeing with us, when he's just not getting it, and he has a different perspective, and maybe uh, emotions are getting high, are we patient? Are we kind? 
Are we honoring or dishonoring in that fight? Are we fighting fair? Are we fighting with kindness? Are we fighting to seek out the truth and to get on the same page for the glory of the Lord? Or are we fighting so that we can win? So that our perspective can be the winning point of view? Are we self-seeking or seeking the best interest of others? Are we easily angered or slow to anger? And then let's just sit here with this one. This is verse five in chapter 13 here. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. If you want to change what arguments look like with your husband, keep no record of wrongs. Let this fight, this moment, be the only wrong that you're dealing with, the only disagreement, the only difference of opinion that you're dealing with. This is so hard to do because our brains don't forget, especially things that hurt us. We are most likely to remember the things that create big negative emotions. And yet, that is the opposite of what we should be doing in our marriage. These verses speak so clearly to how we should handle conflict. It's not easy. It might be simple and straightforward, but it's definitely not easy. And when our emotions get high, it just gets harder. And when we're not using our words well, it just gets harder. And I'll I'll pause here and remind you that we have two devotionals that can really help um, live out these verses better in your life and in your marriage. So we have a 40-day devotional on anger and emotional control. And we have a 40-day devotional on communication in marriage. Um, And I have actually mentioned recently that I'm kind of shifting all of our resources, all the paid resources from Love Your People Well. I'm shifting over to the Etsy shop. Um, But the links and everything are still on the website. That transition may or may not have happened by the time (laughs) this episode goes live. Um, At least as I'm recording this, they're in the Etsy shop and they are on the website. Uh, But go to the Etsy shop if you're listening to this live because we have a discount going on right now. (laughs) and It's a little bit cheaper. Um, Anyway, all that to say, we have devotionals specifically speaking to anger and to communication in marriage because it is so hard because when our anger gets the best of us, we are not patient. We are not kind. We are uh, very proud and we are not honoring and we are keeping records of wrongs and like we're not handling the conflict well. But when we can communicate in a healthy way and we're not yelling at each other, but we're also not just putting up a wall or brushing it under the rug. We're actually working through it. That really, in my experience, my belief, my understanding of married life, that is how we build a relationship that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We want to rejoice with the truth in our marriages, in our conflict, in how we handle disagreement. We want to seek out truth. We want to seek out goodness and blessing in the marriage, even if that means you lose the argument. Because at that point, you're not losing the argument. It might not be your perspective or your point of view or your desire that um, is the decision point. (laughs) You know, you might land with whatever it is your husband was landing on first. But 
that will bless your marriage, that will strengthen your marriage, that will protect your marriage, and that really is a much higher goal. And then here in chapter 13, it continues on, um, love never fails. I mentioned some things that do fail. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And this this section here, I mean, it's not really speaking to marriage. Okay, again, it's talking about love. But it's talking about um, like a theological love. It's talking about that relationship with the Lord when the completeness comes, when Jesus has returned, when we are living in the new heaven and the new earth and everything is fully known. We're not a reflection in a mirror. We are face to face with the Lord. That's what it's talking about here. So, okay, how can that speak to our marriage today? How can that speak to how we handle conflict today? It can speak to that, I think, in a few ways. One of which is the reality that conflict and sin and pain and disappointment in our marriage, that's a part of living in a broken world. That is not the forever plan. There will come a day when the Lord returns, when he will wipe away every tear and (laughs) there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more drop down, drag out fights with our husbands. There will be no more silent treatment. There will be no more someone is sleeping on the couch. Those things will be behind us. And we need to approach our marriage today, approach conflict in our marriage today with that eternal perspective. Because I am very confident that 96% of your arguments and your disagreements and your conflict with your husband are basically meaningless when it comes to that eternal perspective. I'm not going to say they're unimportant today. You might be disagreeing about how do we um, discipline the kids? How do we handle our money? How do we um, interact with this problem that we came into? Like Those are very real things. Those are things we need to wrestle with and work through and come to a conclusion on. But those are not the things of eternity. The way that you talk about that fight about that, argue about that, forgive after that, all of that piece of it, the relational piece of it is far more meaningful than the nuts and bolts of whatever topic you're actually talking about. And as we talked about on Tuesday in episode 103, um, we need to find that common ground. You and your husband probably have a lot of common ground, even if you are disagreeing about whatever current topic is bringing up conflict. And let me just um, say a fun little note here about verse 11. Okay, so this is the verse that says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And my friend, when you're arguing with your husband, 
please put the ways of childhood behind you. Please don't talk like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. And I'm not going to speak for the Apostle Paul, but what I mean by that, when I say put the ways of childhood behind you in that argument, is to to be a grown-up, to be a wife, to be a Christ follower in that moment. Children are very self-centered. Um, you know, they haven't matured yet. They don't have the best vocabulary. They're not particularly good at looking at other people's perspectives. Like children think about the world in a very me-centered way. And if that's how you are having conflict with your husband, you're approaching it in a me-centered way, that is not going to go well. That is not a biblical approach to handling conflict. And it makes sense when we are young and we have not yet matured. But it does not make sense when we become a wife, a woman, an adult. We need to put the ways of childhood behind us. And so much of how we handle conflict comes from our childhood, from the lessons that we learned, from how we observed our parents handling conflict. Um, You know, did we walk out of conflict feeling belittled? in our younger years, or feeling like we were heard, feeling like we worked it through? Do we come out of childhood feeling like we were always bullied? Or I only got my way if I was the bully? You're going to take that into your marriage. And so I don't think this is what the Apostle Paul (laughs) is talking about specifically here. But when I apply this, and I think about conflict in our marriages, we need to be very careful about what from our past we are letting influence the current moment, the current disagreement, the current argument. Because a lot of times that is not actually the best or the healthiest or the most biblical way to approach it. So those are just a few thoughts um, sitting here reading through 1 Corinthians 13. Obviously, on a podcast that's about loving our people well, about family life, Um, you know, marriage and motherhood and spiritual growth. And, you know, we could probably have 12 different episodes all about this chapter. There's so much here. Um, But I do hope some of those thoughts on conflict in particular are helpful. And if you really walk away with nothing else, take a few minutes and read through 1 Corinthians 13 for yourself. Read through it, pray through it, ask the Lord to show you how to be more patient, how to be more kind, how to Um, put the ways of childhood behind you, how to lean into your marriage in the way that the Lord is speaking to you. But let me now close us with a word of prayer. Holy Father, I pray that you will fill our marriages with love, with self-sacrificial love. I pray that we will have marriages that are protective and trustworthy and filled with hope and perseverance. Lord, make us patient and kind. Help us handle conflict in healthy ways, in biblical ways, in ways that honor you as our Lord and our Savior. I pray for our marriages, Lord. I pray for unity and like-mindedness and peacefulness and love. And I pray all this trusting in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, Please know I am praying for you. Um, I don't say this often, but if you have particular prayer requests for you and your people, your marriage, your parenting, your family, 
Um, I would love to be praying for you specifically. I ask that time and again in the Facebook group, which you, of course, are welcome to join us. And the link for that is on the website or in the description for this episode. Um, But you can email me, you can DM me on Instagram, like whatever it is, I would love to be praying for you more specifically. Um, But I am praying for our community as a whole. And uh, so just know that that is always happening and always available. Alrighty, friends. Hugs and blessings to you. I'll talk to you soon.